Morning time is now 7:25 p.m. here in Seoul, South Korea. It's time for our Thursdays Made in Korea, and joining us as he always does every Thursdays, Professor Benjamin Engel. Good to see you once again. Glad to be back. So you know we. This is a news program, and uh, one of the things we talk a lot about is North Korea. And uh, one of the things we talk a lot about North Korea is threats that come from North Korea, and we automatically think missiles and, uh, let's face it, nuclear weapons too, right? But before North Korea was confirmed to have been developing these weapons of mass destruction in the 1990s, the, the threats from North Korea was more conventional, right? But like in many ways, even more urgent than real. I mean, it is quite rare today, skirmishes, you know, between uh, troops of South Korea and North Korea around the DMZ. Uh, they were actually a common occurrence throughout the 1960s and 1970s. And thus, the threat of renewed full-scale hostilities on the Korean uh, Peninsula seems quite real as well. In, uh, I believe, November 1974, the possibility of a second world war uh, was heightened with the discovery of the first tunnel under the Demilitarized Zone, or DMZ. So let's talk about the discovery of this tunnel and uh, how the tunnels are perceived, because we don't talk a lot about this. Mm -hmm. I think that what Korea could have potentially been on another war, a second Korean war, we forget about all of this stuff. We forget about these tunnels. Let's first have you describe these tunnels. Uh, when and where were they found? So in 1970 and 1971, South Korean American forces identified North Korean attempts to build small tunnels under the DMZ, but given their size, they were only for reconnaissance or infiltration of small units. In 1973, soldiers stationed along the DMZ reported hearing faint tapping sounds underneath them. Uh, providing further suspicion that uh, North Korea was tunneling underneath them. Then in 1974, September 1974, a North Korean defector told the South Korean government that high levels of the North Korean government had ordered the tunneling operation to begin in 1972, which was actually in the midst of the first ever inter-Korean dialogue. Uh, based on all this information, the South Korean American militaries began using seismic instruments and listening devices to try and pinpoint the locations of tunnels. As you mentioned, the first large-scale tunnel was discovered on November 15, 1974. During a Korean army patrol uh, in the DMZ, soldiers spotted steam rising up from the ground and investigated, suspecting they'd find a hot spring. Uh, but once they began digging, they found a very large tunnel. Further investigation found that the tunnel was about 1.2 meters high and about a meter wide. The walls were made of reinforced concrete and there were electrical lines for lighting and, a small, and small railroad tracks to move out dirt as the tunnel was dug. The UN command at the time estimated that 500 to 700 North Korean troops could move through the tunnel per an hour um, and the tunnel had, been, be, had began some three kilometers into North Korean territory. In February 1975, a second tunnel was found, this time by exploratory drilling at a suspected site. Uh, this tunnel had already penetrated one kilometer into South Korean territory and was even larger at about two meters high in many places and was much deeper underground. Listening equipment and drilling allowed for the discovery of two more tunnels, first in 1978 and then in 1990. The fourth tunnel was nearly two meters wide and two meters high and was the deepest to be discovered. Uh, both the first and third tunnels are located very close to the west coast near Panmunjom. And this means they're very close to Seoul, being only about 50 kilometers away from downtown. The second tunnel is located virtually in the middle of the peninsula, some 130 kilometers away from Seoul. And the fourth tunnel is also located in the middle, but further away towards the East Sea. It's, it's incredible. And uh, we actually do have some pictures available. Uh, this is the, the first tunnel that was found. Uh, it really does... <laughs> It looks scary, to be honest. It's black, <laughs> black and white. You kind of have to 
wonder what pops out of that. But we mentioned how small these tunnels are, mm -hmm. and this is uh, for our listeners who are uh, checking us out on our live YouTube streaming. It's it really is just a. It's hard to make out of it right now, but it's really just a, a small tunnel. We also have the second tunnel uh, that was discovered as well, and this time with the people. And so you can kind of see how big the tunnels are based on. Uh, the people that I think they're soldiers, are they soldiers yeah, uh, who like discovered the, uh, the tunnel there? And so, I mean, the, these were real. I mean, the, the, potentially there was more threat in the 60s and 70s. And I, and I know we recently talked about, uh, you know, Park Chung-hee, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the legacy and the controversy over Park Chung-hee. There was the, the, the Cheongade raid, mm -hmm. right? The Blue House raid, where there was actually an attempt to assassinate uh, President Park Chung-hee by the North Korean soldiers who had infiltrated uh, through the DMZ. And, the, you know, they, they were stopped and so forth. And then you have, following that, the, the story of Shilmido that happens afterwards. Mm -hmm. But... Another question may be, why bother digging tunnels, right? Like, <laughs> after two countries both have massive armies facing one another on the DMZ, and in theory, you could just kind of push across whenever East Side's desire to instigate a war. Like, what was the purpose of these tunnels? Yeah, I think the tunnels had two purposes. Uh, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is that if North Korea decided to uh, in, again invade South Korea, the tunnels could be used to send North Korean troops into, south, into the South by bypassing the main lines of defense along the DMZ, this would force the South Korean and American militaries to divert resources to finding and eliminating these units that had infiltrated their lines. Uh, it's also possible that the troops sent through the tunnels would be dressed in South Korean military uniforms and qu cause quite a bit of chaos as they would be right. hard to identify. Um, the wartime function of these tunnels can be confirmed by their location. All four tunnels were found in places along the DMZ, which were invasion corridors during the Korean War. The first invasion corridor was on the west coast and went through Gaesung, which is just north of Panmunjom today. This is where the first and third tunnels are located. Another invasion corridor was in the middle of the peninsula through the valley in the Cholwon region, which is where the other two tunnels are. The second purpose of the uh, tunnels was probably to help with the infiltration of North Korean agents safely and quietly into mm. South Korea. Uh, since before the Korean War, the North Korean government adopted a strategy of trying to incite socialist revolution in South Korea. And after the war ended with the United States being permanently stationed on the peninsula, uh, they kind of resumed this um, strategy. Um, during this time, there are numerous examples of North Korean agents f infiltrating South Korea to engage in guerrilla warfare, set up underground political uh, organizations, or as you just mentioned, uh, even try to assassinate Park Chung-hee in 1968. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'd be honest with you, to, to be honest with you, I think there is already infiltration of North Korean spies here in South Korea. I think that's a given fact, I mean, which is why there's always, uh, you know, calls to find them. Uh, we have also a map of where these, uh, a total of four tunnels here. And uh, Professor Engel actually did uh, do a good job in kind of telling us how far from the uh, capital Seoul these uh, tunnels are. Indeed, the first tunnel, I think this is the one that you talked about in Charwon, right, which is in Kangwon province, uh, which is on the far east. And so they're quite separated. Uh, and that's a total of four. And the, the dates that you see there mm -hmm. are dates in which uh, they found. And, and you see a gap, right? Like, uh, 1974 was the first one. The second one is 1975. And the third one would be 1978. And then you look at the fourth tunnel, 1990, mm -hmm. uh, as early as 1990. But obviously, the, the discovery of these tunnels uh, quite threatening in and of itself. But can you give us some background about the inter-Korean relations at the time and where did the tunnel discovery uh, fit in? 
Right, it's important to keep in mind just how tense inter-Korean relations were during this period when the tunnels were being discovered in the 1970s. Right. Going back to 1967 and 68, uh, you mentioned the uh, assassination attempt on Park Chung-hee, but that was um, only the tip of the iceberg, as scary as that is to say. Yeah. Um, 1967 and 68 were a, a period that is sometimes referred to as the Second Korean War. The number of incidents along the DMZ skyrocketed during this time. In 1965, there were only a total of 42 incidents along the DMZ, and in 1966, only 37. But in 1967, there were 423 incidents Jeez. along the DMZ, and 120 of these were south of the DMZ. And over 400 South Korean and American soldiers were killed or wounded in these incidents. So we can imagine today if 400 American and South South Korean troops were dying in one year uh, in engaging North Korea, how threatening that would be perceived. Um, you mentioned the uh, uh, assassination attempt on Park Jung-hee. What's interesting is that just 48 hours later, the USS Puebla was seized by North Korea as well. So January 1968 was uh, one of the highlights, the, the busiest times in terms of North Korean provocations. Then in 1969, a U.S. spy plane was shot down by North Korea. And later in 1969, a U.S. helicopter that had uh, stro uh, strayed into North Korean uh, airspace was also shot down. And then in December 1969, a flight from, a Korean Airlines flight from Gangneung to Seoul uh, was actually um, hijacked by yeah. a North Korean agent and flown up to North Korea. So this is an incredibly tense period. Uh, interestingly, uh, in 1972, we do have the brief uh, inter-Korean dialogue uh, that results in the, the joint communique that the two sides agreed to, which set forth the, the principles on unification. One, no foreign interference. Two, uh, uh, achieving unification through peaceful means, and three is that the two sides would seek great u national unity, transcending differences in ideas, ideologies, and systems. But then in 1974, the detente ends. We have the capturing of a, US, a South Korean fishing vessel, and then a small skirmish in the East Sea, and then things are kind of blow up with the uh, discovery of the first tunnel in November 1974. You know, what's uh, ironic is uh, we ca often talk about uh, the two Koreas being at the most tense uh, situation in years, but uh, it's nothing compared to what they went through back in the 70s. Again, a brink of a second world war. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that's a Korean war is mm -hmm. what we're looking at. But all of these tunnels and, and the, the discovery of the tunnels are, are, are very interesting. And we talked about how 1990 was the very last time that they found the fourth tunnel. And there's not been any discovery of other tunnels since 1990. But Surely, uh, there could be a possibility that there are tunnels that you know the South Korean side just could not have found. What is the likelihood that there maybe is a, other tunnels around, uh, uh, you know, from North Korea to South Korea? Right. The short answer is it's very possible, um, but we don't have any evidence to prove that there are tunnels, yeah. uh, additional tunnels yet. Uh, when the North Korean defector uh, came to the South in 1974, the information he gave the South Korean and American governments led them to suspect the existence of 22 tunnels. And the South Korean government has continued to hear testimony from defectors over the years that uh, they were plans to use tunnels in a wartime scenario. And so the sus suspicions remain. The South Korean military to this day regularly carries carries out investigations uh, using this listening equipment and drilling operations to try and find new tunnels, but uh, nothing has been found since 1990. 
probably one of the more interesting things that has resulted from this discovery tunnel is what I would call private tunnel detectives who've made it their life's work to try to locate Jeez. these uh, suspected North Korean tunnels. In 2012, the New York Times reported on these private citizens who searched for t tunnels, and an interesting characteristic among, among them was that they were Protestant pastors or Catholic clergymen. One of them, uh, Kim Jin Chul, is a pastor in Hwasung, just south of Seoul, and he insisted that North Korea had dug tunnels that link with the Seoul subway system, which would allow North Korea to use Seoul's own transportation infrastructure as a means of invasion. Um, needless to say, uh, this is a way to prove that this is the case and might be taking things too far. Uh, but uh, interest in the tunnels continues to this day. The show EJ Manaro Kamnida, or Now on My Way to Meet You in 2022, aired a segment in which one of these private tunnel detectives appeared, and he argued that there might be five or seven more tunnels that have not been found yet. But again, we have no evidence to back this up. Um, but just to put in context how difficult it is to find these tunnels, uh, Don Oberdorfer, who wrote a great history of uh, North and South Korea called the Two Koreas, in his book, he quoted an American physicist saying that finding these tunnels is worse than looking for a needle in a haystack. Jeez. So not an easy thing to find these tunnels. No, and, and at the same time, I almost feel like if indeed North Korea and, you know, South Korea has their own spies in North Korea as well. And yes, there's ways to get information from the, the defectors and so forth. If indeed North Korea wants to use these tunnels uh, as invasion tactics in case there's another clash, in case there's actual another Second World uh, Korean War, that they're going to use these tunnels, that South Korea would not announce the fact that they found these tunnels, right? <laughs> and they go, you know what? If they decide that we, we know where these tunnels are, and if they decide to, they're going to use these tunnels, ambush them from these tunnels. So it, like, it's everything is very secretive here, but it's just so scary how <laughs> there could be tunnels and we don't know. And you're right. I mean, you know, we always talk about how South Korea geographically, it's just a small country. But these tunnels, we saw how small these tunnels are. You could be literally be hundreds of these and we wouldn't be able to find this. And... While everyone is scared, only person not really scared about this is Yang Gurum, who says when the two Koreas unified, he's going to use one of those tunnels to create a theme pub. Um, that's sort I'll, of the, I'll definitely visit that theme pub when it be, opens. I mean, be a nice place, a nice club <laughs> area. Uh, but among the tunnels that have been found, uh, Professor, one of them is now a tourist attraction. <laughs> speaking <laughs> of which, and many people who visit uh, Panmunjom, where the Korean Armistice Agreement was signed and into Korean negotiations take place, also visit this very tunnel. I, what's it like? Have you been there? Like, I've never been there. You haven't? Yeah, I have been. I took my parents, actually, when we went to uh, the JSA. Uh, the third tunnel uh, is the one closest to Panmunjom, is where most tourists visit. It's also next to the Dora Observatory, which uh, it sits right next to. Right. According to ticket sales, about 500,000 people visit the tunnel each year, among half of whom are foreign tourists. So it's a pretty hot place. The, the, visiting the tunnel is also often part of a package deal where tourists go to the tunnel, the Dora Observatory, and also uh, uh, the JSA. Mm -hmm. um, when you get to the tunnel, you descend a, a very steep staircase, some 70 meters underground. Uh, all tourists are given a hard helmet to wear because the ceiling is fairly low at 195 right. centimeters, and it feels even lower because they've made some scaffolding there to keep the tunnel from caving in. Uh, you walk, uh, once you get all the way down into the actual tunnel that North Korea made, so the staircase is an 
interception tunnel, they call it. So oh, that was okay. made by uh, South Korea to find uh, the big North Korean tunnel. So when you get down into the North Korean tunnel, you walk for about 250 meters until you reach a point where there's some barbed wire and the tunnel has been sealed off by cement. And actually behind that one layer of cement, there's two more layers to try and make it impossible for North Korea to kind of poke through okay. uh, in the future. Um, it doesn't seem when you're down in it that it's that scary or anything. It's just like a cave. If you've been in a cave, that's what it kind of feels well, like. Well, it's also, it's yeah. blocked too. Right. And so you're, you're not going to go, hey, there's a possibility that I'm going to make this tour and then boop, yeah. pops in a North <laughs> Korean soldier. Oh man, awkward situation. So, so everything is blocked is what you're trying to say, right? Right. But if you put it into context, you're on a day trip from Seoul, right? It yeah. took you only a couple hours to drive up there. True. So if you think about 500 to 700 North Korean troops pouring through this tunnel into South Korea... Then it starts to put uh, the the threat, the North Korean threat, into some context for you. I, I also kind of wonder when, uh, you know, the South Korean side found these tunnels, and mind you, it was at probably the height of the tensions between the two Koreas. Like, if there was any sort of uh, response from North Korea, because one of the things that's often talked about on the uh, the Korean history books, and uh, you know, we have our. Wednesday segment North Korea now we will we actually have a North Korean defector uh, who talk about you know some of the things that he learned when he was in school and in history classes they talk about how the Korean War began because the US decided to invade North Korea and boom that's how it goes but certainly these tunnels that they're creating seems like they're again planning another invasion tactic so was there any sort of response from north korea when the, these uh, tunnels were found right so when the tunnels were found there were um, military um I can't remember the word, MAC uh, commission uh, meetings about this. These are the, okay. the discussions between the two militaries. And the North Koreans said that they weren't tunneling. They denied that they were tunneling <laughs> under the DMZ. And they said that any, any tunnels that were found, it was because they were looking for coal. They were, they were mining <laughs> operations, uh, which is completely false. Like they were tunneling through uh, granite, which is, I'm not a geologist, but yeah, it's obviously nobody would think that they were going to find coal in, in this granite, hard yeah. granite rock um so it was very clear what they were doing but that was the north korean excuse anyway guys we weren't trying to invade south korea we're trying to find coal and it just happened to be that there was a lot of coal here and we just dug deep and what do you know next thing you know i'm in south korea but i promise you we went back that hole that you found <laughs> you found you did it yeah. it wasn't us there's always going to be excuses <laughs> like this but one of the reasons for why we kind of uh, decided to talk about this is uh, not only was, uh, I believe that the first tunnel was, I believe, found in November around this time around, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of talks about uh, tunnels uh, now recently uh, in the news because of the ongoing armed conflict between Israel and Hamas. And, uh, you know, Israel coming out, uh, the recent report was that uh, the IDF were able to find and destroy, or at least find 140 tunnels uh, used by Hamas. And uh, Hamas are known for their very complex tunnels. Uh, it's, it's, if they're able to make that many tunnels, uh, who knows how much North Korea was able to uh, make and so forth. And so there's been speculation that North Korea and Hamas, right? I mean, there's some kind of relationship mm -hmm. there. Uh, and Hamas may be actually receiving some sort of assistance from North Korea when it comes to building its tunnels. Uh, is there any truth to these speculations? Yeah, so I think it's important to first remember that North Korea is quite experienced with tunnel digging. Uh, North Korea's tunnel network within North Korea is very vast and sophisticated. It's not just these four tunnels under the DMZ. Uh, the North Koreans found that tunneling was an important skill during the Korean War when the U.S. Air Force 
bombed North Korea very extensively uh, to safeguard its weapons and logistics. In the case of another war, South or North Korea, excuse me, began building a large network. And now we know today that key elements of its nuclear weapons program are also hidden in tunnels. And indeed, the nuclear uh, testing is carried out underground as well, right? Uh, in any case, while there has been some reports about North Korea perhaps selling weapons directly to Hamas, the North Korean expertise in tunnels seems to have been passed to Hamas indirectly through Iran and perhaps another Iranian-sponsored terrorist group, Hezbollah, which is active in Lebanon. An Israeli ins research institute uh, issued an extensive report in 2021 charging that North Korea had been uh, assisting Hezbollah actively with building its own extensive network of tunnels uh, beginning in the 1990s. And in this report, in 2014, Hezbollah was alleged to have signed a deal worth 13 million U.S. dollars with North Korea for engineering materials to, to further develop its tunnels. Uh, so the tunnels aren't only in Gaza, they're also in Lebanon to the north of Israel there. Um, so if uh, Hamas did have some assistance from North Korea, it most likely came via a third party. It'll be so funny if they start questioning North Korea, uh, find out that North Korea was helping Hamas engineer all these tunnels and so forth, and then you go... South Korea goes, wait a minute, North Korea, I thought you guys were just digging for coal. How are you guys such experts in creating tunnels and selling tunnel creating technology to Hamas for $13 million and so forth? I thought you guys were just finding coal uh, is what it is. But let's face it. I mean, now I think we're in a situation, I, again, who knows how many tunnels there are? Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, the more tunnel there are, maybe it's more of a threat. But realistically, Del, we're in an age where if... And a conflict or even a war between the two Koreas do happen, it's not going to be real ground troop, ground troop right. war, right? And so I think the tunnels in itself may be used to, you know, send over spies. I, that, I think that's the other thing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I, th I feel like tunnels now are used more to bring spies into South Korea and things like that than invasion because now if there is some sort of conflict between the two Koreas, it's just going to be missiles and... It's a little bit of a bygone era. Right? It is. It is. Uh, and it's a, and we talked about how a lot of these tunnels were in the, the Padre area, which is why I believe, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if you know this, but I heard that uh, along the, uh, the Padre area where there's like apartment complexes, a large number of compli uh, apartment complexes in Padre are built so that if there is an invasion from North Korea, that they're set up to collapse. And so it collapses, creating a barrier so that the ground troops have a hard time getting over uh, the Paju area and try, well, slow them down is what it is. And so uh, there's always been a lot of scares in regards to this, but uh, mm. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to sleep now. I never <laughs> thought tunnels were very scary, but uh, Professor Engel, as always, fascinating stuff. I never thought that tunnels would be a fascinating topic to discuss here. But when it comes to history, all things are quite interesting. Thank you very much for joining us this week and uh, have a safe one. Looking forward to talking to you again next all Thursday. Right, see you next week. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.